In the late evening of August 21st, 1986, a killer swept through the Cameroonian village of Nios. This killer claimed the lives of every man, woman, child, and animal it came across. By the morning of the 22nd, nearly 2,000 people were found dead. Many seemed to have dropped right in their tracks. Whether in the middle of making dinner or getting ready for bed, some even died while driving or walking home. The worst part was, this was not the first time this killer had struck. This is the story of the killer in the lake. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Cameroon is a country located in Central Africa, slightly larger than the state of California and one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world. With over 200 local languages and approximately 250 indigenous populations, Cameroon has become an example of diversity. The country not only boasts a diverse people, but also a very diverse landscape, ranging from southern and coastal areas covered in dense vegetation and hot humid climates, lush with thick tropical forest and abundant rainfall, all the way to the mountains covered in sprawling green hills and home to a vast river system, and then all the way to the north where the semi-arid desert begins to creep in. The country sits on the equator and solely in the tropics, meaning it's pretty hot there year-round. Its inhabitants range from screaming red and green monkeys, chimpanzees, and gorillas to numerous rodent and bird species. Waza National Park in the north was created for the protection of elephants, giraffes, and antelope, and has recently been extended to include everything from monkeys, baboons, lions, and leopards. But the country's rich history is haunted by the natural beauty of another remarkable feature, the both active and inactive volcanoes that sprawl the area. That combined with the shifting fault lines make for some unexpected catastrophes of epic proportions. So let's back up and let me show you what I'm talking about. Two years prior to the Lake Nyos disaster, the same killer attacked a village just 60 miles south on August 15, 1984 in Lake Manown a 315-foot-deep crater lake in the remote mountains of Cameroon, and it killed 37 people. The event was sudden and isolated to the immediate area. There were no signs of attack or violence. There was no evidence of any kind of earthquake or volcanic eruption. All the victims seemed to have just suddenly collapsed. The local doctors were forced to haul the bodies in mass quantities back to the hospital in hopes of isolation for fear that an infection or pathogen had gotten loose or been set out into the area. The event was largely kept quiet by the government as they had no clue what had led to the deaths. It was first thought to be a terrorist attack, and experts from all around the world were flown in to investigate the event. Lake Manown is smaller than Lake Nyos, and it's also shallower. But nonetheless, it still sits on top of what used to be an active volcano. So many began with investigating the water temperatures and compositions to find out that all levels tested positive and showed no change. 
indicating that there was no kind of volcanic interference. However, they did notice that when they brought up samples from the bottom of the lake, that the liquid was highly pressurized. So much so that the lids were popping off of the sample tubes as they pulled them towards the top of the lake. There had been an area of the lake showing indications that a rock slide had occurred recently. One scientist presents the theory, which he names Limnic Eruption, just months before Nios, which would happen in 1986. A limnic eruption occurs when a large pocket of gas, or CO2, is built up at the bottom of the lake and is disrupted. The heavy gas is pushed into less pressurized water and able to escape. All this gas releasing at once, you guessed it, causes an eruption. Much like the geysers of Yellowstone, the pressurized gas is released through a water spout that shoots up through the middle of the lake. It's much like popping a soda can open. There are no bubbles until the lid is popped and pressure is released, which releases the CO2 in the form of bubbles. Of course, CO2 is heavier than air and a natural byproduct of our own breathing. It is also naturally occurring in our atmosphere. Now, this theory was initially rejected and the event was still considered to be unsolved until just months later when the Nios village and surrounding villages were discovered to have all died simultaneously and the killer had returned. On the morning of August 22, 1986, those who had survived woke to find those sleeping next to them were gone. Even the animals in the fields were all dead as well. A woman and her baby were some of the only survivors of the event, and they also suffered from vomiting blood, blackouts, and blisters. Some survivors remained in a coma for days only to wake and find their entire families had perished. Some had to walk for miles to finally find another living soul. It was like walking into an apocalypse. There were no signs of life, and the waterfall that normally fed the lake had run dry. The normally picturesque blue waters of the lake had been turned to a dirty red, and the lake was littered with debris. The scene seemed like something out of The Walking Dead. When the whole thing was over, there were only six survivors out of Nios. They spoke of having seen a large white cloud the night before, and how they had heard what sounded like an explosion around 9 p.m. Four villages had been hit, all of them devastated. Entire families lost, generations of lineages vanished overnight. Many of the victims and survivors were covered in what was thought to be burns and blisters all over their bodies. All this led many to conclude that they had all been victims of a volcanic eruption. But investigations of the area came up empty in their attempt to prove volcanic activity. But there were signs spotted of a rock slide on one side of the river, which led to evidence of a tsunami wave on its opposing side. Eventually, scientists accepted the theory of limnic eruptions, and it was theorized that a large CO2 cloud traveling at 45 miles per hour suffocated anything it washed over that night. The release of the cloud, which is assumed to be caused by another rock slide, sent a 25-meter-high tsunami crashing into the shore, 
which swept vegetation back into the lake and disturbed a layer of iron, which when mixed with the air caused the usually crystal blue lake to turn to the dirty red color. The red welts and blisters that were thought to be burns were discovered to actually be pressure sores caused by a lack of oxygen getting to the skin. In total, there were nearly 1,800 people killed that day, along with 3,500 livestock of all kinds. Witnesses who survived talked about the eerie scene of the ground covered in dead bodies, and even void of flies because they were dead also. The area was eerily silent, as even the trees had been robbed of any birds or other life. A baffling part of the whole situation was why or how there were any survivors at all. There was a story of two priests who shared a one-bedroom apartment. One priest survived and the other did not. When the surviving priest woke the next morning, he and his dead counterpart were asleep in the front yard. He had no idea how he had gotten there, but thinks he and the other man had stepped outside to get air and struggled due to low oxygen levels. They were then overcome by the quickly moving odorless gas and promptly lost consciousness again. Unfortunately, this still doesn't explain why one survived and one didn't. The remaining populations were all evacuated to safer areas, and they hope it one day to be able to return to their homes, when the right solution is found to prevent this from happening again, of course. Many different solutions were explored, everything from releasing the gas intentionally with explosion to rerouting the gas through underwater tunnels. All of these solutions proved to be nearly impossible when it came to financing these projects. It would take millions and teams of hundreds with no guarantee that any of these solutions would work. In the end, a simple solution proved to be the safest option. Engineers dropped large pipes in the bottom of the lake to vent the gas out in safe quantities. Basically like dropping a straw in your soda can. This way the gas wouldn't be able to build up, and they could control how it was and when it was released. There has only been one pipe placed since the event in 1986, but more are going to be needed if they're going to be able to maintain safe gas levels in the future. When the village of Nios was hit, 300,000 tons of gas was released, killing everything within the 25 kilometers or 15.5 mile radius of the lake. The local tribes have a myth about Mizuku, which in Swahili means evil wind. It is a legend of a dark cloud that sweeps over people, animals, and even plants killing everything. These are the only two lakes known to have actually had a limnic eruption, but not the only ones capable of it. On the opposite side of Africa, on the border of Rwanda and the Republic of the Congo, sits a lake almost 2,000 times larger than Nios, and therefore much deadlier. Lake Kivo is home to over 2 million residents who live on the edge of a ticking time bomb. The lake not only has the potential for the same type of disaster, but it takes the catastrophe one step further. Because Kivo not only has a buildup of CO2, but it also has large quantities of methane built up as well, which could mean a fiery explosion on top of the toxic cloud. The levels in the lake are monitored by teams of specialists constantly, and a local brewery has discovered a way to harvest the methane in its production. The hope is that eventually they can harvest the gas on a much larger scale. 
This potentially could provide the residents of Rwanda with a low-cost energy alternative. Not to mention removing the deadly gas from the lake. However, some have theorized that releasing that amount of gas at once could lead to damages in the atmosphere. The amount of CO2 at the bottom of Kivu is about 2% of what is released industrially each year. There is an estimated 300 billion of CO2 and 60 billion of methane. And with the lake bordered by Mount Nairagongo, which is an active volcano, the threat of a sudden disruption capable of causing another catastrophe is unfortunately ever looming. I'd like to take a minute to thank a very special listener who helped us with this week's episode, Naba. He's a listener from Cameroon, although raised in the UK, and he and his mother gave us some very unique and personal insight into these events. So thank you so much, Naba, and please extend the gratitude to your mother for me as well. to resist the urge to not use this song in everything I do from here on out. Wow, what a vibe. What an absolute vibe. But guys, welcome to the after show of the Lake Nios episode. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this. This is one of the uh, definitely strange, this is one of the few categories that fits the strange and unexplained. Yes. Um, When I heard about this, I I was blown away. I was blown away at just the way that this could happen. And then the way it could happen twice in two relatively close villages, um, just two years apart. Yeah, in such a short time. That's what blew me away so much. Um, Guys, if you're unaware, again, my wife Kristen is here with me, writer and researcher of Sandu. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to kind of go through what we think or what, well, really what we know happened here at Lake Nios. Yeah. Um, but it is fun to share some of the conspiracy theories. Yes. So, so some of the things that did not happen, okay? Um, and I got this. Another, and I want to give another big thank you to Naba for helping me out. Also, at Les Artisans de Champ on, you, on uh, Instagram. I'm sorry. Uh, Naba is an amazing artist, uh, currently based in Atlanta, Georgia, I believe. Uh, but raised in London or England, I'm sorry, raised in England and of Cameroonian heritage. And he's an amazing artist. Please go check out his Instagram. He has amazing art for sale. Uh, One of these days, I'm going to purchase one of those originals. And uh, it's going to be amazing. But again, Naba, thank you so much. Uh, But he kind of opened my eyes to some pretty interesting uh, conspiracy theories, if you will. Mm -hmm. And his mother... Uh, spoke about how there were some earlier there was earlier suspicion that some villagers in Nios had been practicing some form of witchcraft because of the color that the lake turned yeah. because the lake turned red yeah. and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of references even in the Bible to the Red Sea mm-hmm. and with you know seas being of death or areas bodies of water um, being ominous because they turned a red hue yeah. Um, but obviously that was just iron yeah. in the water. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then also there is a, another conspiracy based around um, the Israeli army. The Israeli, yes, uh, military testing done by Israelis, which were sanctioned uh, by the current president Paul Baya in exchange for security. Yeah. In these small villages. Yeah. Um, also, that has also been pretty much dismissed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but because there's so few survivors. This is this kind of stays alive. Only six people survived yeah, from Nios. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Only six people. Mm -hmm. And then like half of the other villages, like their populations were knocked down to just like percentages of what they were before. Right. And because of that small population, that's how these wild stories mm -hmm. get spread because there were so few people there. Yeah. Right. So those. Those eyewitnesses, those people who live through it, like, obviously they think they know things that no one else knows. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that fed the the um, conspiracy theories is the fact that the Lake Monown yeah, Manown. event happened. That was the two years earlier event. Yeah, and that one was kind of like covered up and hushed up. and. But not so much, I don't think that was nefarious intent, do you? I think it was just kind of like they didn't know what happened. So it's kind of like, we don't know, so do yeah. we speak on this? Yeah, I think that was the intention, but I think by doing that, um, they kind of prevented Nios from having a um, heads up when this happened. Oh, definitely. Because if they had just, you know, I, I feel like they should have been at the very least alert the surrounding villages, right? right? I mean, when something like that happens, especially if you're not sure if it's something like a pathogen or, uh, you know, something that's been released on purpose. Right. So I feel like that was kind of an error. That was and a this incident, error right there. And this incident in uh, Lake Manown killed 37 people. Like, this mm -hmm. was no small feat here. No. Like, this had to have been news. Yes. And if you're, you know, if you find out why that happened and which... It, it was discovered. Yeah. This theory was discovered mm -hmm. before like Nios, but not really taken so serious. Yeah. Right? Because they were like, okay, this is, it was like the world's leading volcano expert at the time mm -hmm. who presented this theory. And it was just, it was just that. It was a theory. He was like, this, from the evidence I have gathered, this is what I conclude. Yeah. What do I know? Happened. I'm just the world's top volcanic so, scientist. Yeah. But, but, he, in, but I guess like, they needed reassurance. They're like, that's one guy's opinion. No, you know I get it. Yeah. And it so, is such a crazy event. It was kind of like they needed more people to look at this. And it just happened in such a short, like it happened months later. Right, right. After this guy was like, this is what it is. And then no one even had a clue that another lake was capable of the same thing. Right. You know, this seemed like an isolated incident. So exactly. shortly after Nias is when they started exploring all the rest of the lakes, and that's when they discovered the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, not only is there Nios, but there's also other lakes mm -hmm. that are larger, which we mentioned uh, towards the end of the episode, that are capable of the exact same as far type as of we eruption. Know, but they're the only three, though. Okay. Okay. Those yeah. three. Mm -hmm. um, but they are draining the co2 out of these tanks is or out of these bodies of water as at least they're doing something right they're harvesting the methane gas out of the one well at, at least small amounts a brewery a brewery, a brewery is. is doing this yes right and depending on how big the brewery is. is attempting to you know 
figure out how to build a power plant on the lake and siphon out the methane, basically. But no, right now, nothing is being done about it. Man, that's imagine, the scary part imagine of working it. at that power plant, though, that's built on that lake. Right. Oh, my God. Talk about, like... I feel like that's yeah, that's high risk anyway. Very high risk. That would need to be a plant that kind of runs itself. It'd be like a self-operating type deal. I don't think you should have people manning that place all the time. Mm -hmm. Monitoring, I guess. What do I know? (laughs) But um, yeah, just the fact that I guess they're taking some measures to reduce the the CO two buildup in the bottom of these lakes. I feel like it it will at least extend the time well, here's before the, another disaster like here's the interest the more interesting thing is that the fact that even though these these lakes sit on top of volcanoes which you would think that means that the you know the volcanic lava underneath the water is what's creating the co2 gas buildup right right that's not even the case because right. if that was the case the water at the bottom of the lake would be warmer than it is at the top so they found when they tested the temperatures they found that the the volcanoes are not affecting the lakes at all. Right. Because they sit on the equator, so they stay the same they stay yeah, the same so temperature the year round. Of the lake regardless. It's cold and the Lake Nios is like six over six hundred foot deep. Oof. So it's a super deep lake anyway. Yeah. So So they figured out that the um carbon isn't or the CO two is not coming from the volcano at all. So they had to go outside of the volcanoes and try to figure out how the carbon was getting into the bottom of the lake. Right. They found carbonated springs that were actually feeding into the bottom of the lake. So this is naturally like naturally building up too. Right. Because it's just feeding into the bottom of the lake. And because it's feeding into the bottom where the pressure is already heavy enough, the CO2 is not escaping. But over the years, it builds up and builds up and My builds up. My first thought is... And explodes up. As a huge fan of mineral water, especially <laughs> carbonated mineral water, I'm thinking, why do right? why do we not bottle this? Why don't we tap into these springs? I wonder how it tastes. Like maybe it's high in metals yeah, or something. I don't know how that works. Um, but you know, if it's like the spring for uh, one of our favorite mineral waters, Topo Chico in Monterey, Mexico, you know, <laughs> it has natural minerals in it already, tastes amazing. Mm-hmm. But they have to add carbon yeah. to theirs. So I mean, here in Nios, they could just be bottling up Topo Nios, right. and that, <laughs> so, see, that, I don't know how hey, that works. That seems like, and a then great that keeps idea, it. Right? The, hey, keep the carbonated uh, springs from getting to the lake by right. giving them to me. Right. <laughs> Let's bottle that shit up. But yeah, they they right? basically can't stop the buildup. They can't prevent the buildup because it's just naturally naturally occurring. You know what I'm saying yeah. yeah, they would have to stop all the natural springs that feed the lake, and it's practically impossible. Right. <laughs> but you could pump the water out of the springs before it reaches the lake, or redirect it if you. Well, at least some yeah. of the springs. But then you're then you're chancing affecting an ecosystem. Okay. Changing it. So inevitably, the the CO two is going to build up. Is what you're telling me? Like there's nothing. There's no way to fight it indefinitely. Well, the pipe they found out worked, but I'm just saying... It's not enough, though. I'm saying Kivu hasn't done anything. They don't have pipes in place. They don't have anything. Right, right. But they're saying the levels of of gas are not... Even though they're big, they're nowhere near big enough to um, explode yet because of the... The size of the lake is so much bigger than Kivu. Okay, uh, yeah. So it has, it has a lot more water pressure. Yes, I got yes. you. So they can build a bigger bubble. Right. That makes <laughs> so, sense. So ratio-wise, they still could have a long time before this could happen. They're saying it's fine. <laughs> How long do you think, though? 
I don't know because when they dug down into the bottom or into the sediment of the lake, they did discover that of Nios or of Kivu of Kivu. Okay, they discovered the evidence that um, a extinction level event happens in the lake every um, estimated around thousand a thousand years. Wow. Yeah. So that's also scary too because. You know, there's evidence that this has happened before. So you're saying everything in the lake is killed every thousand Absolutely years? Absolutely. Every, everything. All every the, organism. Every... All the um, plant life disappears from the fossils. I mean, all the organic um, animal life disappears. And then um, it's like weird plant life kind of appears suddenly. And they Plants theorize, always find a way to evolve. Well, they theorize it's because of the tidal or the um, the tsunami that it causes. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes up on the bank and then it pulls in a whole bunch of different plants. Right. So then, you know, that changes because everything else is now dead in there. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Every yeah. thousand years. I wonder how yeah. long it's been since the last one. Exactly. I don't know. They don't know. Right. That'd be something you need to keep track of. Mm-hmm. But that Lake Kivu is on the border of a... Of a huge, of a huge city, mm-hmm. really. Two yes. million people yes. inhabit the city mm-hmm. that is near Lake Kivu. So, that's something I'm sure people are are more tapped into. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? The people there are aware of it too. Like they talk about how they don't go, but so deep, which they I don't think they have. Many and, people have a reason to go deeper. <laughs> and two, you know, Lake Nios is such, was such a tragedy because it happened overnight. Yeah. You know, so the chances of it happening overnight, well, well, I guess they're 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they're Certainly. they're better than I than I assume. Um but but a time where the majority of people are asleep, I feel like is is a lot slimmer, mm-hmm. especially in a city of 2 million people. I feel like um I don't know, I feel like alarms will be raised yep. pretty quickly mm-hmm. if something were to start to happen in there and the people could get evacuated hopefully yeah. fast enough. Well, with the volcano in 2002, it happened. It erupted and then flowed into Kivu. Mm-hmm. It really kind of worried everybody because they thought that would disturb the CO two at the bottom. Mm. But it never flowed, you know, deep enough to right. to affect it. But it it's well. They probably them. also thought that the volcano was still to blame for the Nios incident at the time. Yeah, because that was that is a popular belief mm-hmm. that the that the volcano is to blame. Yeah, and it is not. No, it's the carbonated it's the springs. Lake. Yeah. It's not black magic. It's not Israel military. No. It's it's not volcanoes. You know the 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 legend of the cloud though. They theorized that that's actually like that was passed down to try to warn people about this event. What do you mean the cloud? The um where you spoke about the um Mizuku, I think. Oh was yes, what it was yes, called. yes. Okay. And it's like a legend of the cloud that just sweeps over the land and kills right, everything. Right. Like they think that that's an actual true true you know, story that was trying to be passed down and it just kind of got, you know, forgotten over the years. Yeah. But Isn't it that seems interesting? to a be lo- true. <laughs> a lot, yeah. A lot of these, these old tales, these old, these old stories and whatnot, like they're based on some yeah. type of truth. You Somewhat, know, it's like yeah. the way it's passed down and the way it's described as this and that, like you're like, oh, come on, a cloud swept over and killed everybody. Like, come on, <laughs> don't be, but it's like, really, that, that did that happen. It's just a scientific explanation behind yeah. it that people didn't understand at the time. Mm-hmm. It's no reason to take it more lightly, you know, right. 
you think about that, like even stories in the Bible, like the great flood and the burning bush and, and all these different things mm-hmm. is like, yeah, they may have not have happened exactly like that, but they can still be explained. Yep. These types of things are still happening in our world. These types mm-hmm. of quote unquote miracles, these, yeah. you know, supernatural phenomena. They're not yeah. supernatural. They're, they're natural. You just don't understand them yet. Mm-hmm. But right. They happened. They they're happen. natural. They happen. They naturally happen. <laughs> yeah. Then that's a natural it's thing. A natural There's event. nothing super yeah. about it. If yeah. We didn't create it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, guys, I hope that brings a lot of light uh, to this to this incident, this Lake Nyos incident. I was completely unaware of it mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but yeah, I think it's a natural phenomenon that people should be aware of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, yeah. uh, especially more people um, in Africa, especially if you live anywhere around these three lakes. And I'm sure there's others in the world. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm sure there are. Um, but yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. This one's, like I said, both strange and quite unexplained, in my opinion. So uh, there's only one thing left to do. I guess we'll check in with Lauren this week and see what he thinks about old Lake Nyos in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The Lake Nyos disaster. Something that you would think would be straight out of science fiction, but was all too real and unexplained at the time uh, because this is a super rare natural disaster that's only occurred twice uh, affecting humans. How many times it's happened throughout you know, the history of Earth prior to this is unknown, but uh, it would become known as a limnic eruption. And this occurs when a lake is sitting on top of a volcanic field and there is a buildup of a shit ton of carbon dioxide underneath the lake. And typically lakes that uh, are sitting on top of these fields release the gases over time. But because this occurred in Cameroon, and specifically where this lake is, it's warm year round. The gas was never allowed to uh, dissipate due to fluctuation in temperatures on the lake. And so it just built up and built up and built up until one event triggered it, whether it was a landslide or uh, some cold rain that hit the lake, allowing some of that gas to escape to the surface and triggering a massive explosion uh, as if it were, you know, like bottled up. and this explosion in the middle of the night on August 21st, 1986, caused a fog or a mist that was rolling through the hills and deadly to the nearby villages. And it sat just a couple feet off the ground. But because uh, a lot of people in these villages, you know, were sleeping cl- near uh, close to the floor, unfortunately, they were overcome with this toxic gas, the uh, carbon dioxide. And succumbed to it. Um, it suffocated them in the middle of the night. It would they would get hit with this thick fog of carbon dioxide, and it would cause confusion. And the harder you breathe, the the more it would asphyxiate you, and it would uh, ultimately end up killing over seventeen hundred people. Seventeen hundred and forty six people is the estimate, and over thirty five hundred livestock. So anything in within that range of that fog, any insects, any you know, livestock, cattle, any living creatures were uh, suffocated by this fog. It, it is crazy. And this happened in the middle of the night, unfortunately. If it had happened during the day, you would think, 
you know, uh, people may have been able to, you know, more people probably would have survived because they would have been above it. Although it did burn skin, um, it left lesions and things like that. And the few survivors that there were, and this was not the first time this had happened, believe it or not. This was the second time that human beings had been killed by this uh, that we're aware of. And that's uh, just a nearby lake. Uh, two years prior, Lake Manoon, also in Cameroon, um, took the lives of 10 people. And that story's crazy because there was a bus traveling through or like, and it was like a cargo truck and it had 12 people in this cargo truck. And as the explosion happened nearby and the fog hit the truck, the lack of oxygen, you know, that, that rush of carbon dioxide and the lack of oxygen cut the engine on the truck and two guys or two people got on top of the truck. Um, and those were the only two survivors. The people that stayed on the ground all perished as well as all the animals and insects nearby. So what an event for those two that surviving victims to witness, you know, they were just were lucky enough to be coincidentally on top of the truck out of the, you know, uh, out of the way of the fog and they got lucky. Um, and, uh, but as for the Lake Nios disaster, the vast majority of the people near this lake were not so lucky. 1,746 people killed all of the animals killed. Um, and it was a, a complete mystery for a while. The lake, they, there was some clues left behind the lake. Lake Nios was red leading scientists to believe that this was, uh, an escape of a, a very large amount of carbon dioxide. It would be determined to be in the hundreds of thousands of tons of carbon dioxide that has escaped this lake. And as a preventative measure, vents have now been added to Lake Nios and Lake Manoon. However, there is one more lake in the world that is susceptible to these limnic eruptions, and it is so much larger than Manoon and Nios. It's Lake Kivu in Rwanda. And it's actually become more susceptible since there was that massive volcanic eruption just last year at Mount Nyirgongo, which is actually just north of uh, Lake Kivu. And Lake Kivu is massive and it has over 2 million people living surrounding it. And scientists are concerned that ever since that massive eruption, that lava has been flowing towards Lake Kivu and could trigger uh, another limnic eruption. Limnic eruption. Uh, which would be catastrophic and measures need to be set in place. I know they've been trying to vent Lake Kivu for the last decade and they have been talking about potentially uh, using the carbon dioxide at the bottom of the lake, pumping it out and using it for power, which could turn a negative into a positive. But it seems as though, you know, they're on a time crunch now with that eruption with, it seems as though global warming may be triggering a lot more volcanic eruptions and, uh, and it just a lot more erratic weather and natural disasters, potentially, it seems as though they're, you know, occurring at a higher rate, but I would definitely not want to be living along the coast of, uh, Lake Kivu because scientists estimated that there was a potential tsunami, uh, at the eruption of Lake Nios in 1986 that, that created up to 60 foot waves. So imagine a lake so much larger than that with 2 million plus people living around it. And, you know, the possibility of the fog and mist that is, we know to be deadly and also a massive, massive uh, tsunami. So you would not want to be living near that lake when it goes and it's about time for it to go. According to estimates, it's been, you know, about 5,000 years since it last erupted scientists estimate and it could happen any day. So preparations need to be made uh, just in case 
Um, if I lived anywhere near that, I would want to be quite away from quite a ways away from the lake and also have my house on stilts just in case that fog rolled through in the middle of the night. Um, that would keep you pretty safe. It was like the few survivors from the Lake Nyos disaster, they said were living at higher elevations um, or were elevated. And we know that um, at the Lake Manoon incident, the two survivors from that were on top of a truck. So elevation is key when it comes to that fog and mist rolling through. But you also don't want to be anywhere near the water when that explosion occurs. So, yeah, let's hope that they, they figure something out quickly and it's not a, you know, a big disaster waiting to happen. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Quite fascinating. It was cool to learn about this. I had no idea about limnic eruptions. Um, obviously, there's only three lakes in the world that are susceptible to these. Um, and two of them are now safe, it appears, after venting. So there's one left to take care of, and it's a big one. Um, and hopefully they, they're able to figure that out before it's too late. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that synopsis as always and dropping some useful information in there as well. Get to the high ground, people. This happens. Get to the high ground. And uh, also, I don't think there are any other lakes in the world. I know I misspoke uh, earlier when I was talking with Kristen, I don't think there are any other lakes in the world that, at least that we know of, that have the same capability as three these three lakes in Africa. So, very interesting. And like Lauren said, they've they've got two of them vented out, just got to get that last one going. So, what do we need to do? We need to sign a petition or something? We need to do a GoFundMe to get a vent put in that lake? I don't know. But uh, something needs to happen. <laughs> but guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed this case. As always, hope you enjoyed the retelling of these events to the best of our ability. And if you like what we do here at Strange and Unexplained and True Crime Guys Productions, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash podcast. There's a link right below the description of this episode, and you instantly will get access to so much more content on Patreon, including a show that me and my friend Andy do every single Monday called Strange Shorts. You see every fourth episode here on the free platform, wherever you listen, but every single Monday, there's a new episode of Strange Shorts coming out on Patreon. And I would like to give a shout out to a couple people who have joined Patreon this week. Uh, Brianna Allegra and David Byers both jumped in on the Sandu Stories tier, which is the $5 a month tier if you're in the U.S. And you get access to another special episode that we do on a monthly basis called Sandu Stories, where it is basically a true crime what if, if, if you will. Um, these are dramatized cases, episodes built and based on real life events. Um, some of the names are changed, characters are changed and whatnot, but they're loosely based on real life events. And this is just made to be entertaining. It's just, it gives you an escape. You put your headphones on. It's a little bit ASMR. It's a little bit, uh, musical. It's it's like listening to a movie, if you will. And that's Sandu Stories every single month on Strange and Unexplained Patreon. It's patreon.com slash podcast. Guys, another great way to help the show is to hit that subscribe button or hit that follow button if you're on Spotify, as well as leave a rating on iTunes or on Spotify. Spotify recently added an option where you can rate your favorite podcast you could go on there and click five stars i would appreciate it very very much and if you're on itunes and you leave a review as well as a five star rating then i'll give you a shout here on the show okay all right guys well that's pretty much it 
As always, you can check all the sources, all the links. Also check out at Artisans Duchamp on Instagram. Amazing artist. Link to his profile is below in the description as well. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we'll see you next week for another strange and unexplained case. So remember, be strange. Just don't be strangers. All right? See ya. You hush your mouth, boy.